We weren't going to do a Datitude show today. We thought we were done for the week, but, um, you know, last night's events kind of changed things. We can't leave it at that, right? In fact, cardiologist called me this morning, some dude, I don't know what his name is, but he, he was saying that uh, the collective pulse of the state of Louisiana created a seismic earthquake, and he wanted to check on everybody. So he called me and enlisted me to do that. Okay, so maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. But we are going to check on everyone's heart rate, and we're going to do it next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, Louisiana? And hello to all my cardiologist friends across the state. Who are making extra money this morning because their patients are off the charts with pulse rates well into the 160s, 170s, 180s. What a crazy, absurd game in Omaha on Thursday night. And it just so happened to go the way of the LSU Tigers. Hello, everybody. I am... Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times, picking the advocate and bet.nola.com. And this is a unforeseen datitude, episode number 156 for a Friday, June the 23rd, 2023. Couldn't leave it at that. I mean, after I calmed down, after my, uh, the pulse and my, whatever that, look, I, we, we all have known through this show that I, I was born and raised in the West Bank. I went to Shaw. Whatever that vein is in your head, that one. Felt like it was going to explode after about five seconds after uh, Tommy Tanks hit the home run. I am way too old to be jumping out of my chair, screaming, it's gone, it's gone, and acting like, I mean, like Harry Carey after 12 Budweiser's. And the Cubs in the ninth inning. Yeah, I'm too old for that. Can't do that anymore. I realized that in a hurry. But hey, I mean, who knows? Might have another one of those, right? I mean, what a crazy and just worldly, all worldly kind of game. Tommy Tanks with the two-run bomb in the 11th after I don't care what anyone says. I'm old and I can say whatever I want and it's my show. So I definitely can say what I want. I want. You may not think that was the greatest college baseball game ever, but it was the best-pitched, overall best-pitched game in college baseball history, or at least in college World Series history. I mean, I can't go as far to say college. It's not like I've watched um, 500,000 college baseball games. So let, let's just say in college World Series baseball history. I dare... I defy anyone to find a better pitched game than that one last night. It, they, it can't be done. The over-under before the game was eight and a half runs. They didn't even hit the eight and a half on hits. There were eight total hits in the ballgame. 
11 innings, eight total hits, and two of them came in the bottom of the 11th. There were six hits in the game before the bottom of the 11th inning. And it, it's, it's only fitting that Dylan Cruz and Tommy Tanks finish it off because, quite frankly, I mean, people don't even talk about this. And I'm going to talk about Trey Morgan's def- defensive play in a minute because, to me, that might be the bit, that, that was a season-saving play, in my opinion. In fact, it doesn't even need to be. A, I can just go ahead and say it. it. It's not my opinion. It's a fact. Trey Morgan's defensive play was, the, was a season-saving play. But that being said, if Dylan Cruz doesn't get no one's talking about this. If Dylan Cruz doesn't get that base hit, that pitcher doesn't get yanked. And Manasi, or whatever his name is, Camden Manasi, doesn't come in the game. The greatest closer in college baseball. And uh, if you can't hear my air quotes, I'll let you know. The greatest closer in college baseball. The one that said it was impossible for him to lose. Zach Ewing talks about it in a little bit. He's going to be my guest this morning. He is live just outside of Omaha uh, in, I think, Council Bluffs, Iowa. He is at a Harris um, hotel or resort. Is it a resort? I guess it's not a resort. I don't know. I should know these things before I come on the air because Caesar Sportsbook is the official odds partner of bet.nola.com, by the way. But, yeah, I mean, no one's talking about Dylan Cruz and how important that was. And no one's talking about, well, people are talking about Manasi's comments before the game. And Zach talks about how it's taken out of context a little bit. Maybe it is. But you know what? Whether it's taken out of context or not, dude, if you're going to say that kind of crap, you got to back it up. You certainly can't go in there, throw one pitch, boom, game over. So, you know, I'm older now, and I'm not really in a position where I want to go throwing stones myself, so I'm not out there making fun of him, but I did chuckle a little bit when I saw it because I didn't even see him say that it was impossible until after it was over. Oh, who's going to beat us? It's impossible. No, pretty much not impossible. Not impossible at all because it happened with one pitch. Um, We're going to have a lot on this show today. Uh, we have the uh, coming up. Um, I thought the call from Chris Blair was outstanding on the home run. I thought the call from ESPN was less than outstanding. And and look again, I don't want to kind of poo poo on ESPN all that much when it comes to. I, I look, I do play by play, and I get I have my share of critics. You know, I get probably a little too excited. Not probably. I get a little too excited sometimes. Um, and so I don't, I have no clue how I would have called that. It probably, I probably would have been less excited in a booth than I would have been, than I was in my own den and all likelihood because you're working, you know, you, 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 you change the way you, you know, it, but it's hard to call. It's hard to call, make a call like that. It really is. Um, you can't prepare for it. I mean, you think you can, it's not like Al Michaels at the end of the 1980 winter Olympics in the, in the hockey game. You know, you got time in your mind to prepare for what you're going to say. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Great call. Call that lives on. But when you got something that ends in an instant and you really can't prep for it, I mean, you have no idea when that game's going to end. I mean, as far as Chris Blair knew, the game might end in the ninth. 
it might end and you might have a home run in the top of the eighth and, oh, you lo- uh, top of the ninth or top of the 11th and you lost. You, you have no idea how it's going to end. You can't, I mean, you could think in your mind how you might call something. Again, because I've been there. You could kind of like theoretically put something in your mind how you might, but it never comes out that way. I have so many things that I put in my head when I'm calling a game that I think I'm going to use and then don't. And then I go listen to something. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? So you don't know how you're going to call something. And I, Chris Blair just showed how professional he was. That, that call is coming up in a little bit when Zach comes on. Then we have interviews from Jay Johnson, um, who I thought managed a, who has managed a great series so far. There are a couple iffy things. Um, again, I talk about the Trey Morgan bunt from a couple games ago that could have cost him. Uh, I thought it was a bad decision. But I, I, I defy anyone to find me a coach or a manager that doesn't make a bad decision or one he probably would take back or question at least through the course of a five, seven, six, seven, what could be an eight-game series for the Tigers. You can't do it. You just can't. So I think overall he's done a really, really good job. And I love the fact that he mentions in his post-game press conference immediately after, within a minute of sitting down, he's talking about, if you're thinking about entering the portal, oh, yeah, this is where you want to come. And who could deny it? I mean, if, even if LSU doesn't beat Florida in the championship round, I mean, you got to admit, if you were just on the outside, you got to say, LSU looks like a pretty fun place to play. But if you're thinking about entering the transfer pool, he's not even like trying to target the high schoolers. He's talking about, I'm going to go get all the kids that uh, have already proven they can do it. Wake Forest did. They got a lot of transfers. Worked for them. And obviously it's worked for LSU with Tommy White and Paul Skeens. We're going to hear from Paul Skeens. What did he have to say? That dude is one cocky son of a bitch. I ain't lying. And I love it. I mean, if you're going to be in that spot and you know you're good, I mean, basically reading through the lines of what he had to say, they ask him something in Red Lotter. Yeah, Red Lotter is a great I don't really give a damn. I'm just, I'm interpreting my own. This isn't what he sa- actually said. But if when you hear what he had to say, I want you to hear this. Yeah, Red Lotter is cool. I mean, he, he's all right. But I'm Paul Skeens. I don't give a damn. I mean, that's pretty much what he said. It's hilarious. And Tommy White is as good as this dude is. He's got 100 RBI. I mean, that's one hell of a way. That is one hell of a way to get your 100th RBI. A two-run jack in the bottom of the 11th to send your team to the College World Series championship round. That's how you get your 100th RBI. He was stuck on 98 for a little while because, frankly, he hadn't, hadn't hit all that much in the, uh, in the College World Series. That comes up. Jay Johnson backs him up. And guess what? I don't care if he was 0 for 14 before that one. Doesn't matter anymore, does it? Really doesn't. LSU Florida now. We're gonna, Zach and I are going to talk about that. Uh, what do we think? We're going to give our predictions. I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts. I mean, LSU looks like a team of destiny, but so does Florida. I mean, if you've watched Florida in this College World Series, they've had several chances. Well, I mean, they played three games. All three games they easily could have lost. All three of them. And so, you know, two of them I think were in the afternoon, so they would be easy not to have been seen. But uh, 
They had plenty of chances to lose. LSU's had plenty. This has been overall, I mean, it's just been an incredible college world series. World series. See, I wasn't used to, uh, I wasn't thinking I was going to have a show this morning, so I can't speak. I think my tongue's still tied from last night, too. All right, let's get to Zach and see what he thinks. Then we're going to have uh, our final thoughts and outro. And, uh, hey, if you don't like my prediction, I apologize ahead of time. See, I did give a spoiler alert. Zach, um, have you recovered? Did you get some sleep? Uh, I did. I, I actually was up early this morning, and you said I'm in Omaha. I'm in Iowa, and I went for a dog. I'm sorry. You, that, that was I, yeah, I, I'm at the uh, Caesars Council Bluffs, and the pedestrian bridge over the Missouri River is just like half a mile away, so I went for a jog up into Nebraska. Like, I can tell my wife that I jogged into another state and sound really active, and it was only like a half-mile a jog. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's uh, – man, a game like that just energizes you. Like, I, I'm – listen, I've been here a week. I'm ready to go home. But after last night, you're like, let me get back out to the park and see another one. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, we're going to get into some of the, uh, the questions of whether this is the greatest game in LSU history. I mean, you could argue it's the, there were arguments on Twitter last night whether it was the greatest college World Series game ever in history. And in case you live in a, under a rock and you didn't get to uh, see the ending or you have missed the highlights, I don't have the actual game clip. But what I do have for you is Chris Blair's call because I actually thought, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to diss on Elish, on ESPN, but I actually thought the call on national television was a little lackluster. So we went and found the call from Chris Blair, and here it is, the final 50 seconds or so of what I think is the greatest game in College World Series history. Let's listen to it. Camden Manassi is ready to go. The right-hander facing the right-handed hitting Tommy White. Manassi leans in now, comes set. Rocks and fires. Tommy White lifts it high ball. and deep to left field. Get out of here, Costello to the wall. It's out of here. Walk it off. Tommy White. Home run number 23. And LSU is moving on. Wake Forest is headed home. Tommy White down the third base line gets showered and mobbed at home plate. Two to nothing. LSU here in the bottom of the 11th inning. You know, it's it's interesting because I am an old school kind of guy that doesn't like a whole lot of change in the grand scheme of things. I'm just gonna let's just face it. I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily the get off my lawn guy. Okay, I'm I'm in between that, I guess. But so what, where I'm going with this is, I was a huge Jim Hawthorne fan. I thought, and I'm a play by play guy myself. So I some of the things that I do in my own calls, I try to model after some of my favorites. And so when Chris Blair came in, I'm like, who is this guy? He's from Kentucky. He doesn't really fit in. Where, where did they get this guy? You know, I, I completely changed my opinion on Chris Blair, who, who has been on the show. And I, I'm not just saying that because he's been on the show. He has completely grown on me now. He is the voice of the Tigers as, as an LSU guy born with purple and gold in my blood. Chris Blair is phenomenal. And I thought the call was great. And, uh, you know, I wish I would have been listening to the radio and, instead of instead of TV. 
Yeah, I, you know, people don't realize because, you know, you're, you've got more than I do, but I've got some play-by-play experience as well. People don't realize how hard it is to call a big moment like that. It really you, is. You don't get to rehearse, right? You're like, you, you have to, you know, maybe in your mind, you've called big home runs in your imagination like we all did in the backyard as a kid. But, it, you know, given the specific circumstances, given the fact that you don't know it's happening until it happens, it's hard to kind of call on that. Um, and, and what I really thought added to it uh, were Bill Frankes in the background, you know, kind of yeah. screaming and yelling, it's gone, you know, and like, it, you can just feel the excitement. If, if, if you watch it, Zach, if you watch it, they, they show the booth, and he had to turn off Frankes's mic because Frankes went insane. And so he, he literally, you could see Chris Blair as even while he's getting excited and pumping up his fist, he's turning off Frankes's mic because he's like banging on the table and doing all kinds of crazy things. It, it was it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it, and I encourage everyone out there to go find it. You can find it on YouTube and Twitter, uh, watching them go nuts when, when it happens. And, and, and where I'm old school is, like, I don't necessarily like announcers to go crazy, even if it's for a hometown team. Like, I understand you're going to... Yeah, you wouldn't want to listen to me. That That's a radio thing, you know, <laughs> like, like you're, you get your own home team's announcers. But I, I don't like it when it's overboard because, you know, like, tell me what happened, right? Yeah. But that one worked. And number one, this is such a big moment that you can excuse it anyway, right? Like, this just doesn't happen very often, yeah. if ever. For I mean, LSU's been a very fortunate fan base that they've had moments like this. Agreed. In sports. But but most fan bases, like, that that just doesn't happen. So you can excuse it. Um, but also, it, it works because Chris keeps his cool to a certain extent. Where, yeah, he's excited, but he's telling you um, – you know, I think it's. I always think it's funny, and you mentioned the ESPN broadcast. Which, which number one, how in the hell do you not switch Ben McDonald onto that game? I have no idea. Even even before the game, like forget. I guess you don't game. want homerism. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it must have been a schedule. Or maybe ben, maybe Ben said he didn't want to do an LSU no, game in that. On Twitter, he did. He okay. said on Twitter he would have liked to do it, but it was out of his control. And like I, you you know. I, I guess it's a hierarchy thing. I, I don't know. Um, people have been bagging on Eduardo Perez, I think, really unfairly. Oh, I thought he did okay. I don't think he's been that bad, but I, I think LSU fans just want Ben McDonald. But but yeah. the game in which Paul Skeens was going to break his all-time strikeout record, why, why not have him in the booth? Oh, I at least have a cutaway to and have him in. They had Roger Clemens in for an inning. Why couldn't you have – even as just a guy, right? Yeah, I mean, you could I mean, have him in for – yeah, so That didn't make any sense. Yeah, um, well, ESPN does a lot of things that I don't think make sense. So, I mean, if they didn't have all these major events, I mean, right? I mean, I can't even hardly watch their talk stuff anymore. It's just, it's changed. So, it's just a different, different world. But and anyway, but I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was lacking a little bit. I thought their coverage was lacking a little bit. And I don't say that very often. I, they actually, I think most, for the most part, they do a good job with games. But, man. This game itself, and I want to get into the whole, is this the greatest game? You know, I have LSU history on the scroll, but maybe College World Series history, there was this debate on Twitter last night. And and I know an argument, and I, and I, I never asked you, so my, my guess is that you're going to say Warren Morris is better because it meant a championship. That That is my guess of what you're going to say. So let me let me get your take first, and then I'm, I'm going to give you mine and why I think it's the best. All right. Well, first of all, I was only 11 years old when Warren Morris happened. 
I was living in New Mexico. I do believe I watched the game, but I, I didn't have a rooting interest in it. Um, you know, I thought it was a cool moment. So, so it doesn't, it certainly doesn't mean anything to me emotionally, like it does for a lot of LSU fans. Um, I think Warren Morris was a more dramatic ending for, for a couple of reasons. No, number one, like you said, it was a championship game. Um, number two, there were two outs, and LSU was behind. Um, yeah. That was, they were behind by a run. That's true. On third with two outs, and he had a two-run homer. And, and then on top of all that, Warren Morris had like three home runs the entire season. I mean, he was not a home run hitter. And so it, no, he had none. That was his first home run of the year. Okay, so, but he so, was injured for a lot of the year, too. Yeah, it it came out of nowhere, um, and so as far as the ending goes, it's pretty pretty freaking hard to top that, and it, it always will be. Um, you know, to, Tommy White hitting a no doubt blast, like it took your breath away. But you knew the, the other thing about Warren Morris was it barely snuck over the wall and it barely stayed fair. Like where where Tommy White that ball left the bat, I said it's gone before it left the infield. I mean, you, you could just tell even with the wind blowing in. It had a different feel off the bat than all these close calls. The one TCU where that that kid launched that ball on Wednesday that would have tied the game against Florida, and it died on the warning track. And the wind's been blowing in. A lot of balls have been dying. You knew that one wasn't going to die. It was there was there was no doubt. Um, <clears throat> and you, you know, there's nobody out, and so even if it doesn't go out, and even, even if they don't score, they're going to keep playing. So for a lot of reasons, I think Warren Morris was a more dramatic ending. Now. As far as the game itself, if you start to include the Skeens versus Rhett Louder factor um, and the fact that it lived up to all that hype where ESPN is talking about two aces and, you know, it, Baseball America is saying, is this the greatest pitching matchup in College World Series history? And and so you get this hype, and a lot of times, as, as sports fans know, games don't actually live up to that. Or you, you're sitting there in the fourth inning, and it's 5-4, to four and you're going, well, what happened to the greatest pitching matchup in World Series history? Right. This one, I mean, these guys were cruising. There, there was like three guys who even reached second base while they were in the game, um, and it, 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 I mean, it just had a feel from the very beginning. I, I turned to Wilson Alexander, one of our LSU beat writers up here, in like the second inning, and said, "This has a feel of a game that's going to be zero zero in the seventh or eighth inning, and one run, and you know, and, and one run might win it." And he said, "Yeah, it does." And then part of it, Jim, was like, it went by so fast. I mean, this game was in the seventh inning after an hour and a half, and yeah, I was joking about that. That's true. Yeah, like like <laughs> part of that, it almost made the drama increase because you you looked up and you're like, oh my god, like this game, one run is going to win this game. Yeah, I and said that in the sixth fun. inning. I said I yeah. think in the sixth inning, I'm like, if whoever score, if someone scores, they're going to win. And so you had this from like the sixth, seventh inning on, after just an hour and twenty, an hour and thirty minutes. You had this sense that every pitch was crucial because one home run could win the game. If a guy got on base, you know, that was it. Like, you had to manage around that guy on base like the game depended on it, like your season depended on it because it did. Jim Derry here with Zach Ewing on this Friday. Datitude, if you have any comments, if you want to give your opinion on whether it's the greatest game in LSU history or College World Series history, if you're watching on Facebook, or YouTube, go ahead and type your comment. It'll show up there, and I will show it on the screen. And we'll, Or if you have a question, go ahead and ask it. If you're on Twitter, you can just say hello because uh, the, the comments don't come over from there. But uh, we're going to have interviews from last night from Jay Johnson, Tommy Tanks, and Paul Skeens on the show uh, while we're here. So that's, that's coming up very shortly as well. My opinion is this. Um, you can argue, I think, 
whether it was the greatest moment, uh, as you say, Con, I, I mean, I think that's what, what you're talking about. You can argue whether Warren Morris was a better moment than Tommy Tanks hitting the home run. But as far as the overall game, I'm not saying most important game or biggest game, because I changed biggest to greatest when I, when I was typing. I hate the word biggest sounds like you're kind of in sixth grade and you don't know what, what to write anyway. But I think as far as greatest game goes, unless you're just a casual Joe Blow fan who this is the first LSU game you watched all year and you haven't watched much baseball in general and you don't, you watch maybe three games in general and only one or two in, in full, I don't know how anyone could say that this isn't a better game than the Warren Morris game. Because my point on Twitter was, in 27 years from now, assuming I have all my faculties, um, because I'm going to be really old 27 years from now, but assuming I can remember things 27 years from now, I'm going to remember Paul Skeens. I'm going to remember Rhett Lauder. I'm going to remember Trey Morgan's incredible. I mean, we haven't even got to that yet. The incredible play that Trey Morgan made one of the best defensive plays that I've seen on that stage, really in, in any, at any level to make that play. And so these are all things I'm going to remember, not just Tommy tanks home run. And all I remember about the game in 96 and I, you know, I was 28 years old. So it's not like I was a little kid, like, like you were Zach, I was 20 years old. I remember watching it. I remember where I was when I was watching it, but and you know, I designed the front page for the time speaking in sports section. It's hanging on my wall. Um, I had to go to work right when it was over. And what I remember from it, Warren Morris. I don't remember hardly anything else. I really don't. And you know, I remember Cora laying flat out at shortstop. I remember more about Miami than I do about LSU. And so when this game comes 27 years from now, I'm going to remember a lot more than that. And I think to me, that's why this is the greatest game. Maybe not the greatest moment, but the greatest game in College World Series history. I, I don't think that there's probably a wrong answer here. Um, I agree you know, with that. We, we've got some recency bias. Like, I, I was looking back, because, again, I was 11 years old. I don't remember a whole lot about the Warren Morris game other than the ending. LSU was down 7-3 to three in that game. Yeah. Uh, it came back with two runs in the seventh, two more in the eighth, and tied it. And then Miami took the lead in the top of the ninth, 8-7. to seven, And then Morris hits his dramatic two-out homer. Um, in the bottom of the ninth. And so there was more back and forth in that game. There was more of the comeback feel. And Sean McDonough's uh, call, by the way, was, was fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, like I said before, the, just the pure shock value of this guy hitting his first home run of the year to win the College World Series. Yeah. Uh, like, I think you could argue that game. Um, so I, I don't know that there's a wrong answer, but, but this game was probably, I'm just going to guess, was better played than that game. And I Larry, say that. Go ahead. I was going to say Larry Arduino says the 96 game was better college or championship final with an improbable home run. I don't, that doesn't make the game better though. Um, I understand Larry. I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I just don't think it makes the, the game better. Uh, Bookie Brown says, how about them? Cardiac cats. LSU bet two game series. Let's see. Seven best, best two game series ever. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, Best pitching, best hitters are in LSU. He says they win it all. We're going to get to our predictions a little bit in a little bit, Bucky. We still have plenty uh, to talk about here, including some interviews from, again, Jay Johnson, Tommy Tanks, Paul Skeens. Oh, we have that um, coming up very shortly. Just talking about the, the, the greatest game. Go ahead, Zach. 
to wrap up that discussion, the only thing that I'll say is uh, Ro- the Rosenblatt factor changes it because Rosenblatt was a hitter's park. And so yeah, that's true. Never, was yeah. never safe in that park. This is very different here. Um, and so there are two different kinds of games. But I don't think you can say that it doesn't matter that it was the championship final because the stage does matter. Because Yeah, it, I, I'm not saying it doesn't matters. matter. Yeah. Um, you know, like I once saw a college baseball game when I, I went to, to college at Missouri and I covered the baseball team for two years. And they came up, they were in the Big 12 still at that time, and they came up to play Nebraska one year when, when Nebraska was very good. And so I drove up to Lincoln to, uh, to cover the series, and Max Scherzer was Missouri's Friday night starter, and Joba Chamberlain, who you remember from the Yankees, was Nebraska's Friday night starter. And it was hyped up, certainly not like this, but it was a very similar game where both guys got into double-digit Ks, and Missouri ended up winning 2 to nothing. Wasn't a, I mean, obviously it wasn't a walk-off. Missouri was the road team, but I think they scored in the eighth or ninth inning. You know, great game, but you can't compare it to this because of the stage. And and so the stage does matter. I, I, I will say that. And it was still, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I know it wasn't the championship game, but in a sort, it was a championship game. The championship game of that bracket, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're all, it's, it, again, it, it's, it's the way you look at something, right? It's your own perspective. There's no definitive. It's like saying so-and-so is the best player of all time. I mean, you can argue almost any sport anywhere who the greatest player of all time is. We do it all the time. Um, so I don't know that there's any right or wrong answer. Let's hear from Tommy Tanks. Um, talk about the home run. I mean, I thought it was one of the most hilarious player, post-game player interviews. I'm not talking about the necessarily the one I'm going to show because – He's had time to calm down and relax and sit down and gather his thoughts. But immediately on ESPN, he was completely out of breath, didn't know what to say, and had everybody cracking up when he said, what was he looking for? And he said, fastball, but I didn't get a fastball. And it just kind of goes to show things. He talks about that a little bit here. Let's hear from Tommy Tanks White here on Datitude. Um, I mean, I'm always confident in the box. That's just how I play the game. Um, I don't think I was struggling, but uh, <laughs> I thought I was doing all right. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, yeah, I was super confident. Um, just doing my deal. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, so I was definitely going for heater. Um, I thought a heater was coming. But um, I was very amped up, and I saw a slider that was up, and I could get my bat head to it, so that was about it. Tommy, a- after the celebration, you went and embraced, I think, Camden Manassi. I know you guys were close. What, why was that important for you to do? And what kind of a number of your teammates started doing that with Wake players? Why was that important tonight? I mean, the, their season's over. It's, it's, it's a very hard time. Um, they had high expectations coming into this, and uh, they played great. Um, but I, I've known Camden and uh, Bennett Lee for quite some time now. We're both uh, we're all from Tampa, and um, yeah, he's one of I played with him against them growing up my whole life, and um, yeah, I mean, he's one of my close friends. So. Um, I didn't want him to feel anything. I just wanted to make sure he was all right. Now, I didn't know they knew each other until after the game was over when we read, but I just thought that was an incredible moment that you don't really see all that much in baseball. You see it in hockey after a, a series final is over. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's the only sport you really see. I mean, you'll see football players mingling around, but after big game, after any game, really. And But that was a special moment, I thought, when – he went out and hugged Menachi and, you know, after what he had said, you know, they're impossible to be beat. Well, you know, I just thought it was a great moment, and I thought there was a lot of sportsmanship. And these two teams recognize and respect one another, I think. 
I agree with you. And, and I will say this about Cameron Manassi. And, and I know everybody's throwing that clip around and Jordy Collada, you know, uh, Mikey Matuk, who, who are buddies of ours, but they're like, throw, you know, like, oh, pride comes before the fall and pouring it on this guy. Like, like look, I, I was in that press conference Monday night when Cameron Manassi said that. And people are not getting the context of that. And I know I'm not, it's not going to be popular for me to get on and defend a Wake Forest player, but the question he was asked was about the camaraderie of the team. And he was talking about how close the Wake Forest team was and how that made them feel like they were impossible to beat. He was not sitting there and bragging and saying that no one would ever beat them, which is what, and, and he's a college kid and it came out wrong. And like, I, I get to the victor go the spoils and everything, but I, it really kind of bugs me. I've had, 10 people on my Facebook page share that that clip with me. And it's like, lay off camera, Manassi. That's not what he meant to say. Well, and, and then there's people who haven't paid enough attention and just see that clip out of the sky, right? And they don't know the context of it or whatever. And so. that's, that's the problem with sharing it. When you share it and say, oh, ha, 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 take that, Manassi. Take that, Wake Forest. But the, the kid wasn't trying to sit up there and say, no one's going to be able to beat. I mean, they just played on Monday night's game was incredibly close between LSU and Wake Forest too. Like there's no way he's going to sit up there and say, no one can beat us. He was talking about the bond he felt with his teammates and that made them feel like they were. You also have, you also have to give it to him for staying out there that long to actually go as much for him because he could have just walked right off the field. I mean, you got to realize how long that was. He was on the field to wait to give Tommy tank some love. Um, Because again, I mean, that's like, that's well over a minute, okay, that he, he stood out there instead of hanging his head, walking to the dugout and getting off the field or walking in in his team's corner and they do their post-game thing in baseball. They sit on the field for 10 minutes or whatever the hell they do. Um, but he could have easily walked away, and he went and made sure he came up and congratulated. So I just thought that was a great moment of sportsmanship. I'm glad he was asked about it. I'm glad I found out that they knew each other. It doesn't change my opinion on whether how great a sportsmanship. I think he would have done it had Dylan Cruz hit the home run. Uh, the, the other good bit of sportsmanship, and since I, I just tore into LSU fans a little bit for that um, Manassi video and sharing it so much, I, I'll also say this. Another cool clip, if you can go look and find it, was Wake Forest and LSU were in the same hotel. Um, yeah. People realize that, but they were both in the Hilton. And when Wake Forest returned to the hotel, uh, there were LSU fans lined up there waiting to greet the LSU players, and they all stood and gave the Wake team an applause. And so that was awesome. They came back into the hotel. So that, that was a cool moment. And it's one of the really cool things about Omaha is that everybody kind of embraces everybody else. And, yes, you're competitive and you want to win, but there's also this feeling of, like, hey, we're all here, and it's a celebration of college baseball as well. You know, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked mostly good about Jay Johnson, there were a couple plays throughout this World Series so far that I've questioned. But I guess if you go through – if you go through a, a series that this that is this long, you're going to quite – I mean, I think even a manager or a coach would have some things that he looks back on and say, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like, if he, I mean, even if he's just talking among his friends and not to the media or whatever. So, I, that being said, I think Jay Johnson overall has done just an incredible job his first time in, on this stage. Um, and you can just kind of feel that this isn't going to be the last. One of the moments that I thought was great in this press conference last night, and it's in this Jay Johnson clip, there, there are three different questions. That, well, he, two different questions he answers in this clip coming up. <clears throat> and then there's also um, his opening statement. 
And the way he finishes his opening statement talking about the transfer portal and he's being a salesman, I think was just unique. I don't know that I've seen a coach do it this way. Well, I haven't seen this and I, I think it's phenomenal. And it, again, just watching this 58 seconds of clip makes me feel like LSU is going to be around for a while. Let's take a listen. Uh, it's one of the greatest moments of my life, honestly. Um, number one, number two, um, couldn't be proud of, more proud of our team. I think that uh, exemplifies the talent on this roster, uh, but more importantly, the character and the people. And as I look to my left, I just see three great players that are better people than they are players. Um, the best pitched college baseball game I have ever seen from both sides. Um, obviously, what Paul did was spectacular. Uh, what Thatcher did was spectacular. Um, you know, you might see four pitchers that were on that mound tonight um, from both teams that will pitch in Major League Baseball star games. Yes. And lastly, like, look to my left. If you're one of the best players in the transfer portal, there's only one place to come play because uh, last summer I spent a lot of time with these young men and I think they would tell you they made the right choice. So um, I'd want to join forces with them if, if they're out there. I thought I had another question in there, but I guess I, I cut that part out. I was trying to keep them as short as possible. But, it, you know, we can debate about greatest game or whatever. I don't think anyone can debate that this is the greatest college baseball game as far as pitching goes that I've ever seen. And you talk, you brought it, you mentioned it earlier. You said, you know, games are hyped up and whatever, and they always like blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they pump these things up as much. This thing was beyond the hype. Um, I thought, and not just the skeins louder factor. I thought overall it was, it was the best pitched college baseball game period that I've ever, and I know there was a 14 inning game that Arkansas and I think South Carolina played back and whenever, I don't care about all that. These two guys, these two cats were dominating and they are going to be dominating in the major leagues. I think both of them now a lot are, maybe not as dominating uh, in the, in the major leagues. We'll see where he goes, but I think he's going to be a pitcher for a long time. Just incredible pitching of the baseball. Yeah, it, it was. And, and I think people tend to forget when they're watching college baseball that these guys don't go straight to the majors. Uh, they, they do need a little bit more seasoning. Um, frankly, you know, let's say the pirates or nationals draft Paul Skeens cause he's almost certainly going to go in the top two picks. Um, he probably will not pitch again this year, for, first of all. They're, they're going oh, to shut him down. Yeah. He's already thrown more than 100 innings. He may go to the Arizona Fall League and throw, you know, 10 or 20 innings there, and then they'll then they'll ramp him up again next spring. And then he'll, he'll spend at least a whole season in the minors, and it'll be 2025 before we would see him in the majors at the earliest. So let's, you know, like, I, I do understand the, hey, he's going to be great. And like I said, I saw Max Scherzer pitch in college, and you had the same feeling about him. And, like, these guys are going to be good. But it took – Scherzer's a good example. It took him several years of being a minor leaguer, and then even his first couple years in the majors with Arizona, he was not dominating. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's no sure thing. But uh, like I said earlier, the, the hype for the game compared to what we got is was just so satisfying. It was so great. I agree completely. Uh, and Paul Skeens had, you know, it was kind of, he's got this, the reason why I think he's going to be successful besides the fact that he has this arm, that can go into the eighth inning and still throw hundred miles an hour, which is insane. Um, he's going to have to develop another pitch to be a stud. I think 
uh, in the major leagues, which he will. But you just listen to him. He's got this air about him, and I know a lot of players do, but it's this. he's got that thing, that, that inner confidence. You know, a lot of players talk to talk and walk to walk, but he's, like, got this thing about him that there's more than that to it. Let's hear what he had to say. There's also a question from, from our only a van in there, but uh, there was no there was no debate. And, and again, we're gonna when we get back after this clip, I want to talk about whether he could possibly pitch a potential game three uh, in the championship series because there was debate last night. Not debate. They were saying in ESPN this was the last game he ever pitched. I think just the opposite. I, there, there is no way he's not going to pitch again in some form or fashion, is my opinion. But let's hear what he has to say because he gives a little. Behind the scenes look. Leah Van Baton Rouge advocate. Paul, I mean, you come in on probably your shortest amount of rest you've had all season. And I'm just wondering, what did the conversation about starting today look like? Was there ever any doubt? And just how did you feel about coming out for a second appearance at the College World Series? There was no doubt. Um, I know, uh, you know, our strength coaches, Wes, uh, I knew everyone was going to do everything in their power to get me ready. Um, everything's, everyone's going to get everyone else on the staff ready to, to pitch, um, you know, two or three more times for, for the bullpen arms. Um, but there, there was no doubt in my mind. And to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation. Um, to be honest, I think it was, it might've been cooler for the people in the stands than it was for me. Um, just because all it comes down to is just executing. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of, of Louder's outing. Uh, obviously he did really well, um, executed really well, but um, just comes down to slowing the game down and going out there and executing. Yeah, the whole year we knew we could do it, um, and that was the primary goal. When we, I mean, we had a meeting like January 14th or something like that, and um, the goal, you know, for this season was to win a national championship, uh, and you know, everything along the way would be a bonus. Um, this was, you know, what we've had our eyes on all year, um, and it's really cool to to be here now. That is one confident. Cocky dude. Well, he's just even keel. Like he's not. He's gonna go out. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna do my thing. Nobody's gonna hit me, and I'm gonna come back into the dugout. And, and do <laughs> I didn't watch Louder. I I don't give a damn what Louder was doing. <laughs> I knew they weren't scoring on me. He might as well have said that. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think I, I've actually seen this from a couple of guys. Riley Cooper was doing this the other night. It it's not as hot in Omaha as it is in Baton Rouge. Yeah. But it is hot. And they'll go back into the clubhouse. Very easy to get back there in the air conditioning for a couple of minutes, too. So I think that may be part of that. But, but um, yeah, look, he is phenomenal. As far as whether he pitches again, and maybe this is a good way to transition into the championship series, um, there, there is a possibility that was his last appearance. If LSU wins tomorrow and wins Sunday, you know, they don't need him. Uh, so, so that would be one scenario in which that happens. I also don't think they would bring him back before Monday. So even if they were to lose, like even if you're facing elimination on Sunday, at some point you do have to look out for this guy's future. Um, and, and look, he, he pitched very well last night, but he's now thrown 243 pitches in six days after not having more than one start in seven days all year. And it, his velocity was down a little bit. Like on Saturday against Tennessee, he was throwing 101, 102. Against Wake Forest last night, he was throwing 99. So that's not a big difference. But I don't know that if I'm LSU, I want to push it and bring him out in two days for 50 more pitches or whatever it is, um, j- just for his sake. There is a game three. There is a 0.1% chance that he doesn't start that game. 
I, I don't care. I, I don't. You don't need to give me any stats, numbers, pitches. I get what you're talking about, and I get that we live in a different world than we lived in even 10 years ago. But unless he just says no, which he's not going to, no. um, I don't see how you don't put him out there. I'm not saying you go eight innings because I don't think you do that. Um, I don't think that he'd be able to, to be honest. I think that he'd probably start fading around the fifth. But you get you you milk whatever you can milk out of Paul Skeens. And just listening to that clip alone tells me that there's no way that he wouldn't let them not put him out there. I mean, obviously, UJ Johnson, it's like dad, your dad, right? You can you can say no if you want to, but he's not gonna. Yeah, I, I think I think Monday would be the day. That's three days rest. It's not full rest, but Again, if you're not talking about a full outing, and you said 0.1% chance he doesn't start. I, I could see a scenario where, let's say Thatcher Hurd hasn't been used. Maybe Hurd starts, gets you three, four innings, and then depending on how the game is going, Paul Skeens is your fireman, and you bring him in in a close mm-hmm. game in the fifth inning and have him come you know, just blow people out and say, okay, we're going to go 100% intensity, which you usually don't do in a start, and get us two innings here, whatever the case might be. I, I, think, I think if it got to Monday, he would pitch almost certainly – Unless LSU was up ten nothing in the fifth inning and they didn't didn't need him, just don't think you take a pitcher like that and who and not start him. Uh, I I get you know if we we'll only use him if we need him, but I think that guy's gonna that kind of guy's gonna be more effective in a in a starting role. Um, you know I think back to yes, being you know it, had this been had had this. Had there not been a day off and it started today, and then you had so game three would technically be Sunday, then it's different. Uh, then then you can't start him, and then he's available for 15, 20 pitches. Um, you know, I think back to game seven of the 16 World Series, the real World Series, the, the Major League World Series, not the College World Series. Being a Cubs fan, I, rem- I remember all those games. And John Lester came in uh, late in the game, but he was coming off of just two days' rest. Um, and he pitched, I, you know, I think he made like 30, 40 pitches. So I could see a scenario where, you know, with, so you did Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, you're talking about three, three days rest. I mean, I, I think that you could probably make 60, 70 pitches, maybe even 80, just kind of dependent, but he's going to lose. He might not lose velocity, but he's going to lose effectiveness um, as he goes along. So you're going to know, but I, I just don't think you, you don't put him out there in a starting role. Again, we're jumping the gun because there might not be a game three. You know, if either team wins the first two games, there is no game three. So I don't think you're going to see him either in game one or game two unless there's some really strange, super strange scenario, which is possible. But even then, I wouldn't count on it. No, I, I don't think you do that if you're LSU. And it's funny because while, while we've been on the air, the, the odds have come out. The odds have been out for the series, and it's basically even. Florida is minus 120, LSU is even money, and it's actually moved now Florida's minus 115, LSU's minus 105. So there's been some money coming in on LSU. But while we've been on the air, the game one line has come out for tomorrow. Okay. And Florida is favored, again, not by a lot, minus 130, and LSU's even money at, over at Caesar Sportsbook. Um, and so that tells me that the odds makers, too, think, okay, f- we like Florida in game one, but the longer this series goes on, that scale tilts toward LSU because – because they've got this guy uh, who wears number 20 waiting to pitch on Monday if it, uh, if it gets that far. Well, we've come to that point in the show where we, uh, I think we kind of do talk, uh, you know, give our predictions 
on the upcoming series with Florida because I, I, I kind of wanted to hold this to 40 minutes or less. Uh, we're going to go past that most probably. And I think everybody for watching and listening, we've been on, you know, this is the third Datitude uh, day in a row. Uh, I did not expect to have a show today, uh, but I was texting with Zach last night. And I just felt like after that game, I didn't think how we could not go without a show and, and put some clips together now. So let's do our predictions and look, I tell it like it is here. Uh, if you, if it is what it is. So let, let, let's start with Zach as I've kind of foreshadowed what, what I'm going to say. Well, you, you, you nailed the championship series. You had LSU versus Florida. And so I don't assume you're going to change who you think is going to win it. Um, so, I, but I'll, I'll go the other way. I, I mean, I think LSU is going to win this series and, uh, maybe, you know, you mentioned recency bias. Is that is that recency bias after watching what happened last night? I just see a team that has flat out said we're not we're not going home without that trophy. And um, you know, Florida has won three one run games as well. Um, they've shown a propensity for winning the close games. But I look at Florida and I go, you know, Virginia could have should have had them in the first game. Um, they jumped out on Oral Roberts in the second game, but let them back in the game. Didn't really step on their throat. And then the third game, you know, they get an infield hit to take the lead on TCU um, in in the top of the ninth and then get a great catch at the wall in the bottom of the ninth to win it. I, I just don't, you know, and again, performance in Omaha is certainly not all we're talking about. We're, we're This has been a good team all year long. Um, interesting, too, that these teams both in the SEC never, have not played this year. They didn't play in the regular yeah. season, didn't play in the SEC tournament. So we're going in a little bit blind. Uh, if if everything was lined up perfectly, LSU would be a pretty sizable favorite. Of course, they don't have schemes for at least the first two games. Um, you know, pro- probably Thatcher Hurd maybe can't pitch tomorrow because he's throwing significant pitches two days in a row, so he may be out until Sunday. So, so you, you kind of have some um, some obstacles for LSU on the pitching side, and so that that gives me a little bit of pause. But I just I, I see a killer instinct with this team, and I think they're the more talented team. And if it does get to game three. As we've said, you're going to have the schemes factor, and and I think LSU takes down. I 100% agree about the killer instinct. The problem is I've seen that same killer instinct on the other side from what I've seen. Um, and I know a lot of, again, casual fans probably haven't watched Florida games that much. They've been on in the afternoon for the most part. Um, you probably haven't seen Florida, and I, and I get that, but I just I think they have the same killer instinct. I think they're just as good as LSU. Um, and as you said, Zach, um, you know, going into this into the regional round, when as soon as the SC tournament was over, I said Florida and LSU were the two best teams in the country. I still believe that. I believe that yesterday, and I, I said it yesterday, going into, you know, I thought LSU was the bet, was better than Wake Forest, but I didn't know if it was enough for them to win the game after all that they had to come out of the losers bracket. I don't think people can appreciate how incredibly tough that is. I mean, it's not just the one less game, but when you're talking about one more game in a short period of time and lining up your pitching, and it worked out that if you could win on Wednesday, you could get to skeins, but then you have to overcome the emotion of winning that game to force another game. It's just so incredibly tough, even with skeins. I was worried that they were going to, come out and, you know, just kind of, okay, we got schemes. We don't have to worry about anything. So I guess the long-winded answer is I think Florida is really good. Having that extra day off makes a huge amount of difference. I mean, a huge amount of difference. 
Florida has everything lined up for them. I thought they were even teams anyway. I picked Florida to win this thing before this this thing started, and, and I can't get away from it. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I'm an LSU guy. Again, I was born in, with purple and gold in my blood. Um, been watching and listening to LSU. You know, I've, before all the games were on TV, I used to sit there on Saturday nights as a kid, you know, listening to the radio. And so, um, you know, I, uh, you know, listening to Ferguson make the calls. But uh, it's, I just don't, I, I think Florida's the better team. I'm surprised that, you know, we talked about odds before. I think it's minus 120 Florida, like you said, plus 100 LSU now. I'm surprised it's not more than that, honestly. I think Florida's a great value if you have the stomach to bet against LSU. Uh, and I, I bet Florida a lot when they were 10 to 1. So I, I got Florida in the bank. I'm probably yeah. going to hedge, hedge a little bit with LSU, but I think Florida's a great value. I, I disagree with the value. I, th- I think that the, if if these two teams had their pitching lined up and were just playing a series in the middle of April in uh, at a neutral site, that LSU'd be a minus 150, minus 160 favorite. So I, I, I think all that that's all. Uh, and, and by the way, Florida has played two fewer games, not one. They've only played three. LSU's played five. That's right. So it is a significant difference in pitching. And But I think that's baked into the odds. It's it pretty close to a coin flip, uh, and I don't, I don't think it's crazy to think Florida could win. I think there is probably a little bit of an emotional letdown from LSU. I can't decide. I, obviously, from a pitching perspective, having a day off is a good thing for LSU. I can't decide if, from a momentum perspective, if it's good to have that day to just take a breath and be like, okay, now let's go play, or if you just want to keep rolling. Oh, no, they need a day off. Um, but, yeah, day <laughs> off good. They're over at the park right now doing a press conference. Um and uh, pictures with the coaches and the trophies and yeah. all that. And, and then they'll be back at it tomorrow. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I assume Ty Floyd will start for LSU tomorrow. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Friday's rest. Game two, a little more of a question. <clears throat> I mean, if it were me, I'd bring back Nate Ackenhausen. Who but you might see Nate Ackenhausen pitch tomorrow, I think. But that's, if you see Nate Ackenhausen pitch tomorrow, then maybe Sunday is a bullpen, got, bullpen day where you get a couple innings out of Griffin Herring, who pitched well, a couple innings out of Riley yeah. Cooper. Gavin Gidry, Thatcher Hurd, and, and you know you just piece it together. Um, but my guess is that tomorrow is going to be Floyd, Gidry, and Cooper, and they hope that's enough so that they can start Ackenhausen again on Sunday. I think Ackenhausen doesn't pitch if Floyd can get past the sixth, which I doubt, by the way. Um, I think if Floyd gets past the sixth, then Ackenhausen is saved for game two. Otherwise, look, you can't. This point of the year, I think everything's up in the air. You know how he, Jay Johnson talked about how he wrote on a whiteboard, you know, what after they lost the Monday game, he had everything on a board planned out. I don't think you can plan this series out. I just don't. I think you can have an idea of what you want to do, um, but I don't think you can go in saying, I think the only known right now is that Floyd goes out and pitches game one, Skeens is going to pitch game three if there is one, and everything else just kind of happens. And so, I mean, I think that's where we are. I think there's an excellent chance that this this series goes game three to game three. That being said, LSU has to win game one, I think. I don't think you can lose game one and have a bullpen game against this team and find a way to come back and win two in a row. I just don't because Skeens is not going to pitch eight innings like he did if he, if he pitches in game three, I mean, I think we all think he's going to pitch some kind of way if there is a game three. There's no way he's going eight innings. He's just not. So you've got to, in my opinion, if LSU doesn't win game one, I think they're toast. 
I disagree with you in that I don't think it's over if they lose game one. Um, but I do think that if I'm LSU, if I'm Jay Johnson, I'm going all out to win game one. I'm sparing no pitcher I think I need. Agreed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing whatever it takes to try to win Saturday because if you can pull that off, um, then Sunday, you, you, you know, you're playing with house money a little bit where you know you've got schemes coming back Monday. Agreed. You don't have to pull out all the stops on Sunday. Maybe you say, okay, we're down four to three in the seventh. Normally I'd throw Cooper here to keep it close, but, you know, maybe I save him because I know I'm going to need him for a couple innings Monday, and you can afford to do that, obviously, if you have a lead in the series. So I do think you'll, you're going to see him go all out to win tomorrow night's game, but I don't think it's over if they don't. We'll find out. Well, we hope we don't find out, I guess. I think most people watching this are probably uh, LSU fans. Uh, so, and again, went to LSU in purple and gold in my, my veins. I hope I'm wrong. But again, I think I think they need to win game one. We'll find out. All right, I want to thank everyone for uh, for for watching out there. It's been a lot of fun, Zach. Uh, I know you got a lot going on uh, from just on the other side of the river from Omaha. He's actually in Iowa. I feel like saying I'm in Iowa. I mean, it's it's it Iowa. Yeah, um, I don't think. Yeah, is, is Iowa nice heaven? And shout out to the folks at Harris Council Bluffs. Uh, that phone call you heard in the background, actually, I think I think I have a package here from uh, from the advocate that um, may or may not come in handy. So we'll, uh, we'll I'm going to go downstairs and get that, and we'll keep rolling. I have the same package I think that we're we're creating for the USFL. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe. Mom's I, I the was, word. Yeah, I was you. I was waiting for you to make a little USFL joke there. I set yeah. you up, but you didn't take it. I, you know what? I, actually, we just had a call with Caesars, and I mentioned the USFL. You'd have been proud of me. Oh wow! Okay, impressive. Uh, that and by the way, New Orleans Breakers in the South Division Championship on Sunday. They they are not playing at the so you can have a great great afternoon. You can watch um, LSU at uh, th- at two o'clock, and then I think uh, the Breakers uh, play in the South Division Championship against their nemesis, the Birmingham. Uh, God, I remember brain cramp. Stallions. I had a brain cramp. How did I know that and you didn't? I do know it. I'm getting old, man. I have like it just intermediate brain cramps at different points in my life. It just crops up out of nowhere. That's how I know I'm getting old. Maybe LSU will win the title on Sunday and I'll go have a couple jello shots at Rocco's and ask him to put the USFL game in. You know, I think he should. I think Zach should put the USFL game on. He's not going to. He's just saying that. He's really not. Uh, and I know most of you won't put the USFL game on because judging by the attendance, you haven't. i got to use that whenever I can. Yep, Breakers and uh, Stallions Sunday night for the South Division Championship. If they win that one, they will play in Canton the following week for the USFL Championship. I uh, have not looked at the numbers yet, but my guess is the Breakers are about a three-and-a-half-point underdog playing in Birmingham, as well they should be. They have been so hit or miss. They won four games in a row, lost three in a row, I think, and then won three in a row. So we'll see what happens on Sunday in that. All right, uh, LSU, look, I mean, what else can we say, man? I, I think this is one of our better shows. Um, just picking out those clips and hearing from them and hearing how each one of those guys is different. You know, Jay Johnson, Tommy Tanks, Paul Skeens, all different cats, you know, right? I just, I, I love it. And um, I thought the call from Chris Blair was outstanding. I, it, you look, 
we got it all in the, uh, this morning, and I think it's been fun. And, you know, that's what this whole thing is about is to, is to be fun. And really, as we go out this morning, to live in the moment. And I was going to look for songs, and I have ne- this, is the first, this is the first for me. First time I've ever had an outro song, a song I don't think I've ever heard before uh, I put it on here. And, and I haven't. Uh, I was just looking around. I found this song. I never heard of Portugal. I don't know if it's a group or if the dude's called Portugal. Um, but the song is called Live in the Moment. It had, like, a ton of views on YouTube. So I just assume that I'm old and that I, most other people have heard it before. But that's how we're going to go out today. Um, because I think that these Tigers, and not just the Tigers themselves, but the fans should live in the moment. It's like, you know, think about being a Saints fan. When the Saints went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl in, well, they won it in 2010, but it was the 2009 season. I mean, when that's over, you think this, this team is so damn good, how can they not get to, at least get there again? No one would have ever believed, I don't think, at that time, that here we are 13 and a half years later after the Saints won the Super Bowl and that they wouldn't have been back. They've had better teams since then that didn't go to the Super Bowl. They should have gone to the Super Bowl. They got hosed. That's a whole different story. But they haven't been back. So as good as LSU has been and as many times as they've been to the College World Series, you don't know when you're going to be back, if you're going to be back. Anything can happen. So enjoy the moment. Live in the moment. And that's what this song is about. It's not necessarily about baseball, but it's the point. Live in the moment. Enjoy Saturday. Enjoy Sunday. If there's a game three, enjoy Monday. Because I know watching last night, that's kind of how I was last night. I was living in the moment. I enjoyed even the times when it was scary and it looked like LSU was going to lose and Wake Forest had their chances. I was still living in the moment. Because it could have been over last night. It could have just just as been easily, uh, just as easily been Wake Forest hitting the home run. And us boo-hooing this morning. But it wasn't. It was Tommy Tanks. And now they have at least two games left. And that's all you can ask. But you don't know if you're going to get it again. And with that, we'll let you go enjoy the weekend. Have fun with the games. We will be back. I am about 85% certain we're going to have one more show before we go on our little vacation. Um, it's going to be someone from LSU, and I don't know who yet. So we're going to work on that, or at least someone formally associated with LSU, let's say that. Someone that wears purple and gold. Let's just say that. All right, how about that? And not just me wearing purple and gold. You get what I'm saying. I'm rambling, as I usually do at the end of the show. Everyone have a great weekend. And go Tigers. Uh, Go Tigers. Whichever one you prefer. Peace and love, my friends. (laughs) 